I saw this fascinating article the other day. I knew I had to find out a bit more about it. Eastern Antarctica is known as the coldest place on Earth. But earlier this month, a permanent weather station on the Antarctic Plateau recorded the warmest temperature in the more than 65 years it's been operating. Temperatures at the research station were 47 degrees Celsius above average, a heat heat wave unlike any observed before it, as I mentioned. A large part of East Antarctica across it, temperature anomalies are close to 30 degrees above average Celsius for this time of year. So joining me now with more is David Mikhailchuk. He's a research meteorologist, Antarctic and meteorologist. I'm going to get this wrong again. Joining me is David Mikhailchuk. He's a research meteorologist, Antarctic and meteorological research and data center at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Sorry for fumbling around. Thanks for joining us, David. Oh, hi, Ben. It's great to be here. I have to say, it was just one of those stories where the headline catches you completely off guard. It was it was an American, um, it was an American newspaper. But really, I think that what I saw was sort of the, a heat wave that hit the coldest part of the Earth, forty seven degrees Celsius above average at one point. Um, it must have caught everyone off guard. Yeah, it is. It's always amazing to hear the word heat applied to the Antarctic because, yes, as everyone um, is usually the way they think about the continent is that it's just snow and ice and it's always cold. But just as any place on Earth, it does have variations in temperature. And uh, hearing about this um, incredible increase in temperature and the incredible warmth uh, over Antarctica was indeed pretty amazing. Um, It's something that we've that's been noted before uh, pretty pretty large increases in temperature, but this one is uh, especially dramatic. Yeah, how dramatic, how dramatic has it been? Well, from, from some of the sources that I've seen, uh, it's been um, pretty, like, it's never been seen before um, in this region. So this uh, occurred in East Antarctica. East Antarctica is a very tall dome of snow and ice, uh, reaching up to four kilometers above sea level there. Uh, so when really warm temperature, when temperatures get really warm there, it's, it's very noteworthy. The, I'm not sure on the exact statistics and specifics of exactly how warm this um, event was, but I, I'm pretty sure it was a, a, a couple standard deviations, at least above normal. Um, so very, very rare. What, um, it's an anomaly, I gather, at least. I mean, but is it is it common to see such a huge spike in temperatures? I know this is this has never happened before, but do you see that sort of up and down in that part of the world? You do, um, and actually, especially in winter time. Uh, and so I know this this happened in the at the beginning of autumn in Antarctica, since they're in the southern hemisphere, mm-hmm. um, and so the sun is starting to set there, and in portions of Antarctica, the sun will be below the horizon um, until, and it won't come back up until August and September. And so actually when the sun sets, there becomes a lot of, a large, a lot of various temperatures. And so the temperatures can get really cold, um, especially when there's very calm atmospheric conditions over the continent. Um, And so that in the fall and winter, uh, temperatures will start to cool a lot for a few days, but then you'll get a system similar to the one that caused this really incredible increase in temperature that will bring some cloud cover into the region and the temperatures will start to warm up pretty quickly. Um, and so that, that those, uh, increases in temperature usually get to like 10 to 20 degrees Celsius. Um, I don't remember that exact conversion to Fahrenheit, but, um, 
but yeah, when it, so for this uh, instance where it got 40, uh, the increase was 47 degrees Celsius, it was an especially strong um, ridge that brought in uh, a lot of cloud cover and warm air to Antarctica. You're welcome to use Celsius with a Canadian audience. Obviously, I think we understand both, but Celsius Celsius certainly works. Um, Excellent. <laughs> there you go. Does that does it cause any dramatic changes at all to like a week a week long heat wave? What are the implications of that for the coldest part of the world? Mm-hmm. It it varies by where you are on the continent, and so this heat wave uh, it reached from the seas, the ocean to the north of Antarctica. Um, and reached all the way inland, uh, going further south towards the pole. And so the, um, these incredible temperature increases over the ice sheet inland on the continent of Antarctica, still the temperature remained below zero degrees Celsius. And so there probably wasn't any surface melting of the snow there. And so in terms of like melting the ice sheet over the continent, it probably didn't do much there. But this warm air started north uh, and reached the coast of the continent and then reached inland. And so there has, there was noted melting that occurred uh, on, of the ice, uh, of the ice sheets at the coast of Antarctica uh, due to this. And so if you are to have such, uh, such flow and such southerly flow from the warmer Northern latitudes, north of Antarctica, that brings in this warm air um, and especially for a sustained amount of time, then you increase the chances that you're going to have temperatures above zero degrees Celsius uh, near the coast. And therefore, then you'll get some uh, ice melts there. And so uh, uh, flow pattern, flow patterns such as this can have an impact on the ice sheet um, of the continent. It also can have an impact on, uh, and, and it can have an impact on the ice sheet in terms of melting. It can also have an impact in terms of uh, bringing snowfall. And so actually, you might get some melting in one portion of the ice sheet on Antarctica, but you might get some uh, snow accumulation on another portion. And so there's always that balance between um, warm air causing melting, but also bringing in cloud cover and causing snowfall and precipitation at the surface. And so if the temperatures don't get above freezing where the snow falls, then it'll just increase the um, snow depth and the ice pack thickness. Well. I mean, you work at something called the Antarctic and Meteorological Research and Data Center. What have we been seeing happen in the Antarctic over the past little bit? I mean, what, is, what does your research tell you and, and, uh, and where are we with it? Because we, we obviously, it's such a fascinating part of the world that so few people have been to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So at our uh, research center, we, one of our main projects we have is an automatic, nether, automatic weather station network that we manage on the continent. Um, and so this Pro- that program, the AWS program, as we call it, uh, began in 1980. And ever since, we've been increasing the number of stations on the continent and managing, that, managing them. Um, and so they gather, uh, they record uh, basic weather variables like temperature, pressure, wind speed, and direction um, at most of the sites. And they're spread throughout the continent of Antarctica. And so since some of these locations have been installed for more than 30 years, we've been able to get some accurate climatologies of different regions of the continent. And uh, there was a paper that uh, came out a few years back that studied the temperature trends at Bird Station um, using our uh, AWS data from Bird AWS. And this is located in the, about in the center of the West Antarctic ice sheet. Um, And so that is, that's the East Antarctic ice sheet, as I mentioned before, can get up to around four kilometers above sea level. 
the West Antarctic ice sheet is a little lower um, above sea level, maybe to like one and a half to two kilometers. Uh, so it's still kind of high up. But uh, this research, we had noted that there's actually been some warming uh, occurring at in the in West Antarctica uh, at Bird. And so in that region, we've noticed some warming. There have also been some interesting uh, research about uh, long duration cold events at South Pole. And so while we have some warming occurring in one portion of the continent, there are uh, occasionally some periods of long duration cold spells uh, in other portions of the continent. So there's the there's definitely different weather regimes and climate regimes uh, that we've noticed throughout the whole continent of, of Antarctica. It's remarkable that you have that many monitoring stations, You're, the ability just to keep track of what's happening there. It must be the amount mm-hmm. of information and data that gets turned out of that must be, must be phenomenal. Um, yeah. Yeah. And if, uh, sorry, if I may mention, no, go I ahead. don't think I, I think maybe I did. Uh, we have uh, about 60 AWS installed on the continent currently. Well, and, and you monitor those all the time. Yep. Yep. We, uh, we get the data uh, real time and that's posted on our website. And we also have uh, some members of our team quality controlling that data. And so, uh, our goal and um, pretty much every every researcher's goal is to make their data publicly available um, and so that anyone and everyone can see it and use it um, and uncover the amazing uh, weather and climate features that we can uh, that we can see on the continent obviously not a place that people are going to so you're not providing this information for people's sort of personal use but what is what is the um, I mean personal use in terms of them traveling there but what is sure. the, who is the consumer of this information and what, what do you hope to share in terms of uh, what do you hope to find essentially what do you hope to track yeah well we we get a lot of um, the, the general consumers are different scientists and researchers who are trying to supplement their research uh, whether it be, weather research or climate research or um, glaciology or biology, um, supplement that research with accurate weather data and uh, observational in situ data. Um, So uh, there are also a lot of, there's, our data gets input into numerical weather, climate model, weather and climate models. And so those models can use our observational data uh, to uh, as input into their models to make sure that they're getting an accurate representation of the atmosphere at a certain time. And we do also get uh, some people who just like to see how the weather changes and varies in different parts of the world. And so when they see the Antarctic and they see our uh, automatic weather station data listed, they're like, oh, wow, that's pretty cool. I'm going to plot up that data and just kind of see what it looks like. So it kind of it kind of runs the gamut of uh, who uses our data. Yeah, no, that's that's fantastic. And and how do you service more than sixty weather stations in the middle of absolutely as nowhere as you can be on this earth? Really, <laughs> we we send uh, two to four usually uh, lucky people every year um, to go down for a few months and do day trips to our weather sites. And so we will typically deploy to Antarctica, um, and we do this through the uh, United States Antarctic Program. Uh, we typically deploy from around November uh, through February. And so that's during their, uh, their summertime. And so it's 24 hours of sunlight um, here in Madison, you know, at that time of year, it's our winter. And so we're uh, dealing with the, the short days, long nights, and it's cold. And sometimes when we're, we're uh, 
our group is stationed uh, based at McMurdo Station. And a lot of times it's actually warmer there than it is in Madison. And so some people will get jealous of me when I go to Antarctica because I go there to escape the cold. Yeah, it certainly would be counterintuitive to think you'd want to take a vacation from uh, from North America to go to Antarctica to get away from the uh, from the cold temperatures and the short nights. David Mikalechuk, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you very much, Ben.